I said that I would make some remarks about play, which has not featured very much, if at all, in these episodes so far. What is it? And in particular, what is the relationship between play, experimentation, and what we are schooled to think of as serious study and application? The naive traditional view, if I can call it that, is that play is something that little children do and that when we grow up, we stop playing and start studying and working seriously. This is a seriously bad way of conceiving of the relationship between play, experiment and study and it's one that we should throw away. Play is about exploring a space of possibilities. Give children, notoriously, uh, we've noticed in life, that if you give children a very expensive toy in a cardboard box, they often play with the toy for five minutes and the box for an hour. There is something about the open-endedness, the lack of specificity of the box that excites the child's imagination more than the toy, which often is only capable of being used in one way. Although most children can find many ways to use most toys, several of them not envisaged by the manufacturer. So play is about exploring. It's about finding out what's possible within a space. Now, I can't think of a better way of characterising experiment than that. Obviously, in a very purposive experiment of the kind that we have in science, where we have a specific hypothesis that we want to test, the experiment is closely defined by the test that we want to do and the hypothesis that we want to investigate. But more generally, experiment doesn't have that very specific purpose. We can experiment in the way that you might say, well, I can experiment when I'm cooking. I can try different proportions of ingredients. I can experiment in the garden with different plants and finding different ways to cultivate things. I can experiment in farming. I can experiment in reading to see what I like and what I don't like. But we're not very given to experimentation in education. And we're not, after the primary years and even perhaps the kindergarten and nursery years, very given to play either. Play is something that takes place between lessons or outside in the playground, not something that we build into lessons routinely. But we should. The relationship between play, experimentation and serious study, if we call it that, is that they're all really part of the same process of coming to know, of learning, in other words. Play is very often more fun than serious study. And most people, when they are writing, when they are thinking, when they are exploring the possibilities of life, will play. 
They will play with the remote control on the TV to try to find something to watch. They will play with different movies and different styles of music in order to discover what to watch and what to listen to. And they will play with life in as much as they will try this and that and the other, some of it legal, some of it not, in order to discover what life's possibilities are and what suit them. So play is about exploration, as is experiment. Why should study be any different? Why should the way we try to learn things when we are grown-ups be different from the ways that we learn them so effortlessly when we are tiny children? Well, no doubt there are many good psychological reasons why the changes to the structure of our brain might provide at least some explanation for that shift. But I think that if we take adult life, for example, we can see that adults do, in fact, in one way or another, still engage in play, but not perhaps when they are trying to learn. It's very interesting that some of the most adventurous, some of the most uh, innovative modern ways of trying to teach languages, for example, incorporate them into something that could be construed as a game. I don't mean the sort of fatuous game where if you get six questions right, you're allowed to play some shoot 'em up for five minutes. That isn't the kind of integrated play that I'm interested in. I think that to make all learning into play so that we enjoy it because it is characteristic of play that we do enjoy it, that's why we do it, to make all learning into play is not to trivialise it. A conservative frame of mind would say that we need to learn to be serious. We need to learn to apply ourselves with a furrowed brow and gravitas to the serious business of being an adult in a difficult and challenging world. Well, maybe so on some occasions, but I'm not sure that it's easy to think of very many occasions when having a playful attitude to exploring the possibilities that are available for the solution to a problem isn't a very positive way of approaching it. After all, we all like playing games. And perhaps the trouble is that we draw a distinction between life, serious life, and games that isn't really legitimate that doesn't really reflect what our attitude to life as a whole should be. That might explain why some of the things that we treat as games come to be very serious, and some of the things that we think very serious can all too often turn out to seem like games, but we will park that and not pursue it here. A question that merits consideration where we, and if we are persuaded that play, experiment and serious study are not really dis distinguishable from one another, is that even very good teachers 
commonly confuse and perhaps conflate changes in the content of their lessons from day to day with changes in the style of teaching and learning that goes on in those lessons. What I mean by that is that teachers tend to settle into a way of delivering lessons so that the lesson looks stylistically the same from day to day. And they are persuaded that things are changing in a positive way by the fact that their content necessarily changes as they work their way through a syllabus in whatever order seems to suit them. Now, changes of content are obviously important and necessary as you move from lesson to lesson because that's how you move forward and how you cover more ground. But they're not the same as changes of teaching style and learning style. And if one were to take, for example, a subject that had five lessons during the course of a week, if every single one of those lessons is delivered in more or less the same way stylistically, then that they have different content doesn't fully compensate for the lack of exploration, the lack of experimentation and play that might very well mean that some students, some pupils, would find new ways to learn and new ways to uh, study as a result of changes of style of teaching on the part, self-consciously undertaken on the part of the teacher. That, in its turn, would serve to encourage a playful attitude to learning. Of course, any teacher will tell you that there is a line to be drawn, uh, perhaps not a line, but there is certainly a sliding scale, and I suppose you could use the metaphor of a slippery slope, between a playful approach to learning and the kind of chaos where children, partly because of their immaturity, just get silly. And so an experienced teacher will clearly need to draw some distinctions between appropriate and inappropriate play in a classroom. But I suppose it's also worth saying that where children are not engaged in appropriate play, something isn't engaging their attention sufficiently at all. And that may well be a symptom that we should take note of rather than bringing in some metaphorical equivalent of a big stick to try to prevent it getting out of hand. So, the lesson here is that we shouldn't confuse change of content with change of style, that teachers should self-consciously adopt different approaches to the delivery of content, they should encourage their pupils or students to give feedback on those changes so that they discover which are more successful and which less for each pupil, because it will differ for every single person in the room. And they should, as far as possible, engage classes in setting the direction, the speed, the style of lessons. This is an example of not you being obliged to learn the way I, as a teacher, want to teach, 
but me as a teacher being obliged to try to teach the way you want or most uh, find most uh, convenient and optimal you most want to learn. Add to that the indistinguishability in a well-constructed lesson of play, experiment and study and I think that you have a blueprint for an approach to lessons that would not by and large be evident especially with senior school children in most schools in the country or even in the world where the matter of study becomes progressively more and more serious, less and less fun, less and less like play, and so less and less experimental, and so less and less enjoyable. And if there is a universal law in education, as in life, I think it is that we learn things much better, more effectively, when we are enjoying the process than when we are not. And that, of course, is a lesson that many a teacher has never quite learnt themselves.